Welcome to the night's podcast. My name is Leah Thompson. As a graduate of Cary Christian School, it's my honor to get to introduce you to our phenomenal group of teachers. On this week's episode, I'm so excited to get to introduce you to our Rhetoric School seminar team. They're going to be discussing what seminar is. I know some of you have heard that term and maybe don't know what seminar is. Um, And also the things that they've been studying as a team in order to develop the seminar program. So please join me in welcoming them. I'm so excited to have the seminar team here with me today to talk about uh, the seminar program and also just some of the things that they've been reading and discussing and learning together as a team. And so I'm going to have them each introduce themselves. Our seminar team is made up of four of our rhetoric school teachers. So I'll start with Michelle. Okay. Hi, I'm Michelle uh, Lash. I teach rhetoric for 10th graders. And then also, obviously, I teach seminar. And I'm Kate Fredrickson. In addition to teaching seminar, I teach ninth grade rhetoric. I'm Patrick Holbrook. I teach 12th grade rhetoric, senior thesis class, and seminar. And I'm Tom McMahon. I teach 11th grade European history as well as seminar. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. Our pleasure. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. So, Kate, you're going to start us off just kind of introducing what seminar is. So, a lot of people, it's a, it's a newer initiative here in the rhetoric school and but it's been it's gotten a lot of traction in the last year and so I'm excited to hear you kind of discuss it. Yeah it's one of my great joys to be on the seminar team and really the idea behind seminar is that high schoolers are asking a lot of big questions about the world and themselves they're asking who am I who put me here why do I matter what do I think about things how do I even know I can trust what I think how do we know things what's truth um if somebody thinks something else is true then I think can I even talk to them like how do I engage with them um and then all of those sorts of questions and I think a lot of times our high schoolers think that they're the first people who have ever thought of these questions and what we're trying to help them understand with seminar is it is really helpful to go back and look at how people have interacted with those questions throughout history because most of these questions have been asked for hundreds if not thousands of years and um, so we're trying really to introduce the students to the great conversation which they've already had um, glimpses of throughout their class classes. And in seminar, um, the overarching question for the whole program is how should we then live, right? Having learned all of this academic knowledge, what is the point? How should we live? And so each grade tracks with the literature and history curriculum um, and has its own overarching question. So in the ninth grade, we're asking, um, what is wisdom? Can man attain wisdom? What's the happy life? We're looking at a lot of the classical thinkers. We read the biblical wisdom literature, um, Socrates, some of the other um, classical thinkers. In 10th grade, hopefully having established in 9th grade that the happy life is the life devoted to God, um, we talk about what that looks like. Um, And so the question for 10th grade is um, how can I order my loves to desire what God desires? And it's sort of this idea, we don't have to throw out everything and just focus on God because everything is a gift from God, but how do we love things in the appropriate order? So we start off with Augustine's Confessions. We read um, a lot of the Divine Comedy by Dante. We read some of the medieval mystics um, and really get into that question and those ideas. Um, 11th grade, they're moving on to European history and the Enlightenment, and we're really asking, okay, how do I live in a world of conflicting ideas and values? Um, The Enlightenment, sort of, we get this idea, okay, we're not going to be a monolithic culture. People get to 
really think through things and not just take things for granted. Um, and so we read John Locke, Hobbes, Rousseau. We end up all the way up through um, Sartre. I never know how to pronounce his name, um, but some of the existentialists. And then we culminate with the 12th grade. They're in American history um, and lit. And we ask, okay, having gone through all of those things, how should we as Christians and Americans think about self-government? So we read the Constitution. We read a lot of um, civil rights documents. We look at um, women's rights. We actually start off by going back to Plato um, and reading the Republic and asking, what even is a just society? Because that's what we're trying to establish in our government. So how do we, what, what does that even look like? Um, and so we have a lot of really great conversations um, around those topics with the students and really just the idea of these documents are the starting point for starting to think about these things. It's not necessarily that they are telling the students what to think about these things, but it's helping the students get a grasp of how other people have thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Anything else y'all done? I think it's so interesting that oftentimes when we're, uh, you know, because I plan one class and Michelle plans another, Kate plans another, and Patrick plans another. Um, and so what basically we, we swap lesson plans and we read them and then we all teach all of them. And it's so interesting to, to think that, you know, I'm dealing with something, uh, or I'm, I'm writing a lesson about something that Plato is saying or Socrates is saying. Um, and then that same issue is being covered again uh, both in the ancient class and the American class, mm-hmm. or maybe in the modern and the ancient, or the medieval and the American. And it seems like that there's these perennial questions that humans ask, and each age has its own outlook. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can open our students' eyes to those ages outside of their own, mm-hmm. the broader uh, and the more expansive their view of the world and, of course, of God will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to add about seminar, if you ask the students to design the perfect class, they would say um, no homework, no tests, right? Um, no shove it in and spit it out kind of a kind of a curriculum. And, and just the ability to sort of relax and talk, right? That would be their perfect class, which is exactly what seminar is. Hmm. And so I try to reiterate my students, this is a gift to you. This is a chance to not have a big stressful thing hanging over you, a bunch of homework, a stressful test. Grades are not the big focus of this class at all. It's much more about, okay, what do we think? And we're, we're reading what people in the past have thought. And I like what you said, Tom, about the questions that keep coming up. We just had Augustine talking about um, his discovery sort of of God when he discovered there has to be a standard. I can't say right and wrong without a standard of right and wrong, mm-hmm. which is exactly Exactly what convinced C.S. Lewis that there must be a God, you know, uh, however many years later. And so these same things keep coming up. And it's very cool when we can yeah. see it keep coming up. And, and also, as these thinkers are in conversation with each other, you read something and you say, he's obviously talking back to whoever. He's talking back to Plato on this one, or he's talking back to Augustine on this one. Um, so that's really cool, especially once our students have gone through all four classes. Yeah. And they'll be able to hopefully recognize that. Yeah. And I think another long-term goal of seminar is that we're, we're teaching our students the practice of scope, right? Of, of this learning is leisure in a sense, right? There's no real work associated with a seminar in the sense that there's, like you said, there's no tests, there's no homework, there are no quizzes. Um, relaxation, leisure, delight, 
all of those things can be found in the great tradition and the things that we're reading together. And the life of the mind is, is in a sense, the life of leisure. It's, it's, it's part of the good life. Mm-hmm. And that can be confusing for students at first because it's like, wait, this doesn't go into my GPA the same way as my other classes. Does it count? Do the, uh, yeah, the, the colleges looking at this the same way? Right. And, and the answer is no. And then that's the point. Like the whole point is you're not doing this for the sake of something else. You're doing it for its for its own sake, and our our hope and prayer is that as they go through it every year, uh, they're getting a better better grasp that this is these are conversations we're having for their own sake, mm-hmm. not for a number that shows up on a transcript or on a college application somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. these are the conversations they'll be having, hopefully, the rest of their life. If they're paying attention mm-hmm. to yeah. the world and reflecting on their own lives. Mm-hmm. One thing I tell my students all the time in seminar is, um, there's no test in seminar because the test is the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. like the rest of your life is the test that I'm preparing you for in this class. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. we're doing How a to good live. job. Yeah. 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 So y'all have been reading a couple of books specifically over the summer. One being The Excellent Mind, and one is Deep in Thought. And so these are books, again, that you're using to inform specifically the seminar class. And so, Michelle, if you don't mind just giving us a brief summary kind of of these books and why you chose to dive into them as a team together. Okay. So uh, the school that I was at before, we had a course called Great Ideas, and it was very similar to seminar. Uh, It was only a two-year course, though. 11th and 12th graders took it. And so my friend, the teacher, Mr. Sommer, and I were talking, um, I guess, at the beginning or I don't know last year at some point and he was telling me that he personally is embarking on a journey to inculcate the intellectual virtues into his great ideas course and he's very excited about this he's actually going on to get his PhD in this Um, and he's studying with some cutting-edge thinkers at University of California Irvine so I said that sounds interesting and something like I think we need to incorporate into our own seminar course so basically what the intellectual virtues are are We all know what the virtues, the traditional virtues are, and a lot of times that's behavior. The intellectual virtues is how to think virtuously, so how to be a virtuous thinker. Um, And as our kids, as we're having these conversations with our kids, we're realizing they're not always the most virtuous thinkers. (laughs) They're not always humble. They're not always careful. They're not always autonomous. Um, They might not be courageous or or display uh, perseverance or tenacity. So we thought, what a great opportunity as we are thinking and talking to say, how can we do that with maybe more open-mindedness? Or how can we exhibit autonomy? How can we have our own opinion and not worry about what others think? Or how can we be careful and really look in the text and see, is he actually saying that or not? So how can we practice these virtues? So my friend... um, Mr. Summer recommended to me a book, this book, The Excellent Mind by Nathan King, that basically goes through each of the virtues, what they are, and describes them. And one thing I love, he does it in in sort of the Aristotelian form, where the virtues, this golden mean in the middle. Mm. And if you have too little or too much, it turns into a vice. So we want to try to find that golden mean, that golden middle. That's where the virtue lives. And then the next book was Deep in Thought by Jason Bear, who started a school actually in Long Beach, which is funny because that's where I'm from. And I I think I've heard of this called the Virtual Intellectual Virtues Academy. It's a charter school. So the Deep in Thought book is practical ways to really get it in the classroom. He gives us exercises, tests that we can give the kids, just very practical things that we can do in the classroom to practice these virtues. So this one's been, they've both been great. One for the definitions and then one for the now what? Now that we know it, what do we do with that? Yeah. So, yeah. 
how have you guys seen it playing out in your classrooms thus far? What does that look like? Well, I mean, even just the, so the concepts are really helpful to me, but I'm, I tend to be very heady and I'm happy to just think about ideas and talk about ideas all the time. And something that I struggled with last year was, you know, doing activities other than just read and discuss. I think the students got to the point that we're like, can we do something else, please? Um, And if they're at that point, they're obviously not engaged um, and they have less opportunity to practice these virtues if they are disengaged. So even a couple of the strategies in deep in thought um, I've seen work really well in the 10th grade. So one of them is just having them read independently and have them um, highlight a sentence that stands out to them, a phrase that stands out to them and a word that stands out to them. And then they're responsible to help like guide the discussion, right? I ask them to share what they said. Um, Frankly, I usually forget the phrase and word part and I'm like, highlight the sentences that stand out to you. But even that idea has really helped me. And then we did a really cool one. Um, It's a strategy that um, he calls, what does he call it? Um, Step inside or the circle of viewpoints where um, each student or several groups of students are assigned a particular perspective um, of whatever we're talking about and they have a series of questions they have to answer from that perspective and then we have a conversation about it so um, for confessions recently I had them explore Augustine's perspective his mom's perspective a bishop's Mm -hmm. perspective God's perspective the perspective of a friend who really doesn't care about all of that stuff and it was really cool seeing how having that set up the reading Mm -hmm. helps them be way more engaged in it so even just like the practical strategies were really helpful And in my classes, I can think of a few times that we've had some really good discussions of them uh, on them. Of course, the first discussion, the the first helpful discussion was just talking about them to begin with. And, Mm -hmm. And these are virtues that I think all of us know are things we need in order to be good thinkers, but we haven't always articulated them. Mm -hmm. So if I could just read through this list, uh, the virtues include curiosity, carefulness, autonomy, humility, self-confidence, perseverance, or tenacity, courage, open-mindedness, firmness. And uh, many of these are are a healthy balance between between two extremes. And, And one of the good conversations we had to start with was how some of them are actually in tension with each other. So how can I be Mm -hmm. humble? How can I show humility while also showing Mm -hmm. self-confidence? There's really a balance to be had. I want to be open-minded to uh, be able to continue to weigh evidence and continue to rethink my my ideas uh, without going to the other extreme of thinking, oh, I can never never know nothing at all. And that's in tension with the idea of autonomy too, right? Like Mm -hmm. that open-mindedness and autonomy Mm -hmm. can be... Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and so, uh, I mean, one exercise we've done is when we're reading something by a great author, we'll pause and ask, okay, what are some intellectual virtues we see here? Um, one of my favorite discussions was with the, the 10th graders. We were reading the beginning of Augustine's Confessions, and he starts it by asking all these questions about God, all these really deep questions, which he doesn't even really go on to answer. And uh, we, some of the, we, we, we pointed out that here you have this great great theologian, you know, one of the greatest theologians in history. Sometimes people say he's you know, the greatest next to the Apostle Paul. And guess what? He's still got questions about God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's showing both curiosity and humility, the students mm-hmm. pointed out, by continuing to press on and, and ask these questions and spend his life exploring. Another conversation we had just this week 
in ninth grade, we were talking about uh, truth and whether truth is absolute or is it relative? Is truth something that we invent or is it something we discover? And uh, I asked them, if, if truth is just something you make up, right? I have my truth, you have your truth. What kind of person do you need to be in order to make up truth? Well, anyone can do that, right? <laughs> uh, there are no preconditions for that. Uh, and then I said, well, okay, if truth is something out there for us to discover, then what kind of person do you need to be? And they immediately pointed back to the intellectual virtues. Well, you need to be curious and careful mm. and humble, and you need to have courage and open-mindedness. And so uh, I think they're really starting to get how these are, uh, you know, not just a list of things we're telling them to do, but you need to have these traits in order to be someone who really seeks after and is able to find truth. I think a really helpful way that we introduced it to our students is that we gave them three scenarios, and the, these were scenarios that they could run into in life, and they were, they were difficult scenarios, uh, whether it was about helping a friend uh, who um, had some sort of prop, personal problem, or um, it was about, uh, you know, making a, a really really difficult decision for a family member that's been injured, um, whatever it might be, that there's difficult situations in life that all of us have to navigate. And in order to navigate those situations as best as possible, we need to be good thinkers. Mm -hmm. In order to make good and, and you know virtuous decisions, we have to have those intellectual virtues to think through those things. And so uh, Kate mentioned, you know, um, it's, it can be a very heady thing, but but it's also an intensely practical thing, mm -hmm. um, having these virtues. Mm -hmm. um, it informs not only the head, but, uh, but the heart, too. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting conversations I had with students about the virtues was early on, and I asked them, okay, as a grade, I don't even remember which grade this was, um, I asked them as a grade, which virtues do you think you're strong in and which ones do you think you need to work more on? Um, and they were really honest. They were like, we can probably work more on all of them. But the two that came up most um, were humility and self-confidence, where we can humility and where we can self-confidence. And I thought that was so interesting because it can seem like those two things are at odds and really they're not. Because if you're really grounded, you are not going to feel like you have a chip on your shoulder and you need to prove yourself, which often comes across as what we think of as self-confidence, but it's really arrogance. Um, and so I just thought it was interesting to have them like wrestling through these ideas of, you know what, maybe we think we're self-confident, but maybe it's actually just arrogance because we're not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, I would not have thought of that. And so to have the students articulating that to me and to each other was a really powerful conversation. That's really powerful. One thing I like about this too, we all have a poster of this on our wall so that we have those words readily available and the students can see them. So a couple things we do, we have a, a table of contents and at the end of a reading, we put at the end uh, for that particular reading was a virtue displayed by this thinker or is a virtue required to understand this thinker. And so my students will instantly look at the list, you know, and they'll say, oh, this is curiosity or this is open-mindedness, this displayed that. And so that's fun. And it also gives, it gives me language. So when a student does something, I can say that's an excellent example of carefulness or that's an excellent example of autonomy because he said that and you disagreed. So good job on that. Um, or sometimes if they go a little off, right, I can say, okay, so that's not quite um, humility. Is that arrogance or is that, you know, so which vice did that sort of lean towards? You know, we can just have that language and it makes it kind of fun. Um, but another thing within the virtues, it's not just enough to practice the virtues. 
the books talk about it needs to be directed at four things, which it needs to be directed at the right object, the right at the right occasion, with the right means, and with the right motive. So um, you can be exercising curiosity maybe at the wrong opportunity, like in the wrong occasion, you shouldn't be that curious right now. This is a time to focus over here. Mm -hmm. And so we can use those four words as well. And like in 10th grade, where we're talking about or rightly ordering your loves, Augustine's thing is, I just wanted to be loved, Mm -hmm. but he went way off the rails. You know, love is not a bad virtue, but it was with the wrong Wrong occasion, the wrong means, the wrong object, you know, the wrong motive. And so we can say how, even if you're doing what seems like a good thing but you've gotten off in one of those areas you've moved into a vice territory i really like that and the listeners can't see it but it's shaped in like it's like framing the virtues and so it's almost this is the picture of where this fits in i like that that's really good that's awesome. I really appreciate this. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot just as a school, too, is that we're trying to develop the habits of the mind in a way that develops the habits of the soul. And our prayer is that the spirit would come in and be shaping the minds through our intentionality and through what we're doing in the classroom and, and helping them see the value in these virtues and pointing them out and encouraging them and giving them opportunities to practice them in the hopes that the Lord would be using that to shape their shape their souls, that they would come to know him and be curious about who God is and be um, humble in in the light of that. So I love, um, I just love this and that you guys are able to have these conversations with them and engage with them and in an honest way and in a humble way. And so thank you guys so much. I really appreciate y'all sitting down and talking through that with me. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with the seminar team. I know I really appreciate what they're doing in the classroom, and I'm excited to see how the Lord continues to use them and their intentionality to help um, draw our students to Him. And so, as you know, it's our prayer that through every conversation on our campus, that our students would be equipped to flourish in the modern world by finding their identity in Christ. I hope you'll join us again next week.